I'm Sonia Rita, and this is episode one of season two of Running on Optimism. Woohoo! Running on Optimism is the podcast for amateur runners or really anyone finding inspiration from something or someone in their lives. Today, I spoke with Jesse Baldwin, who just ran her very first marathon and is going for 50K in just two weeks. I really appreciated Jessie's candor when it came to sharing her experiences as a bigger runner and in breaking perceptions about what a runner should look like. And you better believe she and I will be talking again very soon about her ultra marathon experience. So welcome Jessie. I am so excited that we get to talk just a couple of days after your very first marathon. But before we dig into all that good stuff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you started running? Um, so I am from Columbus, Ohio. I've lived here almost my entire life with the exception of nine months that I was in photography school in Massachusetts. That, Other than that, I've been in Ohio my whole life. Um, and so I, I, uh, my dad used to run and he would run for, I think he really ran for weight loss. Um, that was kind of his big thing. He always did five miles a day and my dad for being a bigger man, he is fast. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I could never keep up with him. He always tried to get me to like running and I hated it. I never wanted to do it, but I did, uh, I did earn my love of softball through my dad because I used to watch him play softball all the time. And, you know, softball, there's hardly any running. <laughs> if they, at least yeah. for me, I was more of a power hitter, less of a runner. Um, but anyway, so I first started running. Um, well, going back, I have a really long history of stuff. Um, I, I ended up having gastric bypass surgery in 2010 because I weighed over 360 pounds. I could hardly get out of bed. I mean, the weight maybe not is such a big deal, but I'm only 5'4". Um, and I was like, I could barely make it up six steps. I was breathing really hard. I had to stop. I have a family history of obesity. Um, and so I ended up finally deciding after a long time of weighing my options to have the surgery. In order to have the surgery, I needed to, in order to have it laparoscopically, I had to lose 30 pounds. Okay. And I thought, okay, losing 30 pounds is no big deal. I can do that. The problem is keeping the weight off. So I am a very driven person, <laughs> if you can't tell, very dedicated to my goals. Um, and so I worked really hard and I dropped to the weight and I ended up dropping 60 pounds and it made my surgery so much easier. I was able to have it laparoscopically. So one of the things that I decided to do post-surgery recovery was start to run because my dad had ran. So on a whim at like 11 o'clock at night, I decided to register for a race the next day. What? It was like around Christmas time. Um, it was just a teeny tiny local race. And all you had to do was buy a, like bring a toy, a, a brand new toy to wrap to give to a child in need. So um, the race was cheap. I, had the, I could get the toy for not very much and I could grab the toy in the morning and on my way to the race. So that was my very first race and when I started to run. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> it Wait, so had you, had you been running at all before this race? I did not run. I just used the elliptical um, and that was, that was 
pretty much it. Like I would use the elliptical, I would do some weights at the gym. Um, I did a lot of swimming because when you're, you know, when your joints are that bad from all the weight, the, the easiest way to drop weight was doing water aerobics. Okay. And it's kind of, it was kind of embarrassing though, because here I am like this younger person in a water aerobics class in the evening, like kind of early evening. I, I was like a good 40 years younger than the next person, but it helped me drop weight to be able to have the surgery, which ended up being really life-saving for me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I decided to do the race and my dad came out to the race and cheered me on. My dad and stepmom came out to cheer me on, but I was the very last finisher, just typical for me. Um, I don't even know how long it took. I did my best. I gave it what I had and I was really proud of myself, but I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> so I, I ran a little bit from there, but I didn't do a whole lot more. And then um, I had, you know, I, I just kind of dropped running at that point. And I did other things to continue to lose the weight after the surgery. It was really important to drop weight. So I did, and I ate better. And then I, um, I, I uh, met someone and um, she really liked running and I was interested in her and it just got me really interested in running and more so distance running at that point because she was running the Columbus half marathon, like not long after we met. And then she was super encouraging, like, oh, well, you could do whatever you want you, you know, to do, whatever. And so I started running then, and I got really into it, and I did my first half marathon, um, which was really exciting. Um, but I ended up, um, again, season of life kind of changing a little bit. I ended up getting pregnant, so I ran my first half marathon three months pregnant. And then my second half marathon, six months post-childbirth. Wow. So it was definitely um, a different experience, I would say, uh, but I did really enjoy it. And I, um, one of my best friends that I had just started to get to know ended up like um, starting to run too. So she ran with me, but she's a little faster. So we didn't really get to run together. Um, and our babies ended up being born three weeks apart. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, of course, like I think a lot of new moms that aren't already dedicated runners, I dropped the ball and I stopped running. And I had both my girls. So I ended up having two kids. I let my weight creep way back up between pregnancy. Um, and then um, my friend kept running through everything. And um, I had a really, like a few really bad things in life kind of happen. I, I got fired from my job that I had been at for eight years. And that was pretty devastating. Um, I hated where my life was. Like I loved my kids, but being a mom felt really hard and like, I wasn't very good at it. I couldn't get on the floor to play with my kids. I was not active. I was not an active parent. Um, just all around quality of life was pretty bad. Yeah. So I, um, I got a new job really fast and it was amazing because it was even better, amazing people to work with. Like it was really looking up. Um, and so I decided, I, I heard about this local running group called Marathoners in Training, um, also known as MIT. And I went to an info and the, um, the guy who runs it was just talking about reasons why people like to run and that for anybody can do it. You know, it doesn't matter if you've never run before, you know, you can join at Marathoners in Training and we will get you there. And so of course, during the info session, feeling 
less than confident about myself in every aspect of life. I'm like kind of low key crying at this info session that I'm already super uncomfortable with because my weight has crept way back up. And um, I'm, I'm thinking people are gonna look at me, people are gonna judge me, um, I don't know. But I thought about it and I came home and I talked to my kid's dad and I was like, I'm really thinking about doing this. Um, I, I don't know. And so he encouraged me to go ahead and um, join. So I did, I joined, and uh, for the time of the first run, I got in my car really early in the morning because MIT is super early Saturday mornings. And I drove to the parking lot and I parked and I sat in my car and I just bawled my eyes out. And I thought, there's no way that I can do this. And I texted my friend who was really excited for me to go. And I was like, Sarah, there's no way that I can do this. <laughs> I can't, I'm too scared. They will judge me. And I text my kid's dad and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't go. Like, they're going to judge me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I thought that I could do this. But um, both my friend and my kid's dad text me back and they're like, yes, you can get out of your car, go up there. So I did. And that run was only two miles. <laughs> yeah. And I was dying in those two miles. It was pretty much a mile downhill, crazy steep hill, and a mile back up that hill. But my, uh, one of the MIT coaches stuck with me, stayed with me. I was never alone, never judged me, just encouraged me and supported me and talked to me through all of my insecurities with where I was at in life and there, and then invited me to coffee afterwards. And so I'm like, well, okay, like maybe I can do this next week. And so I showed up the next week and the same thing, like that encouragement and support. And I've not stopped since then because I have found this group of people that are always there. Even if their season of life is not for running right now, they're still there to support anybody that needs it. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, this common thread between everyone I've spoken to is this running community. Um, I don't know if it's the endorphins. I don't know what it is, but it's just once you're in, you're in. And I mean, even online, when we cheer each other on for the wins, or even now that I'm injured and people are like, oh man, I hope you heal up. And you know, you've got this, this support system that will stick with you regardless of what your goal is or regardless of what their goals are. Right. So, so you went for that, to that first session and you did two miles. Did you do any running in between or what, what was your plan going into it? Um, so that was a few, uh, I don't know, like it was only maybe three or four years ago. Um, but I don't remember there. So MIT, has a training plan. They come up with a training plan and um, they can modify it, but it's pr it, at that point it was set up for two seasons. There's the fall winter season and there's the spring summer season. So they were set up with two local major races, which are Cap City Half Marathon and the Columbus Full Marathon Half Marathon. And so there, the training plan was set to go towards those goal races. So I joined in the summer so the goal joining in the summer was for the fall race. So it was for um, the Columbus Half Marathon. Okay. So I would say that I followed the training plan that MIT had put out for um, that goal race. Okay. Okay. And um, I just wanted to say when, so Jesse and I spoke before her marathon and I was just like, 
we spoke, so today is Tuesday, we spoke last Friday, and I basically was just like waiting on Sunday to see when you posted something about finishing um, your first marathon. And when you told me about MIT, the only reason I really knew about it was because I had just written, and anybody who follows my my personal running page, I had just read, not written, read um, Nita Sweeney's uh, Depression Hates a Moving Target. And everything that you say about MIT um, was everything that she writes in the book. It was, it's a fantastic book for anybody who wants to um, read it and uh, know a little bit more about the vibrant Columbus, Ohio running scene that just, it really, really appeals to me. There's so many races, right? We, yeah, I mean, we have a lot. We have um, a local company called M3S. Um, and they have a ton of races locally um, between like 5Ks, 4Milers, um, and then they also are who does the Cap City Half Marathon, Quarter Marathon, and 5K. But they, they do a ton of races. Um, and then there are a lot of other things around. So training with two girls at home and working from home and how how did that work out for you um, and how long was your training program and how did training go for you so um the decision for the marathon goes back a little bit um to back in 2019 the um, last columbus half marathon that i finished for a whole year prior to that i dealt with extreme pain in both of my feet and I kept treating for um, plantar fasciitis, but it ended up being bilateral tarsal tunnel, which I had to get an MRI and an EMG NCV to be able to actually diagnose it. Um, so I would end up in such extreme pain, I thought I could never run again. I thought there is no way that I can continue to put myself through this and deal with this pain. Um, but once I got it diagnosed, I um, take gabapentin now and I have no pain at all. So. I, at that point at 2019, I thought there is no way that I can ever do anything more than a half and even a half. I don't even know if I can do that anymore. But when COVID hit and um, I still needed to run, I still love, I loved, I can't even say that I love running mm. that much at the time, but I loved the companionship I had with my friends that I made at MIT. And um, that was my, that was my going out on Friday night was running with my friends at, you know, twice, three times a week. Um, so we kept running um, after I would get off work. So working from home made running so much easier. Um, I take the bus to work because I work downtown. Mm -hmm. So that's two hours added onto my day, an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And then I also have an hour lunch. So three hours more that I have in my day now to exercise and, um, or family time or whatever I need to do. And so, um, then I could get off work at five o'clock and I could meet at the um, high school. That's not too far from my house and meet my friend there to go run and I could get home at a reasonable time to eat dinner and see my kids. So we kept running and we would only run Mondays, Wednesdays, and um, Saturdays. 
And I had a couple people that I was able to consistently keep running with throughout the pandemic. Um, and one of my really good friends that I met through at MIT, um, she runs not for races, but for herself, mm-hmm. for, um, you know, it's, it's, she, she runs, um, she used to punish herself with running. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she has created it to be a, a space, a, a safe space where it's no longer a punishment. It's doing it for fun and with people that she enjoys. And I felt like that was something that I kind of needed in my life. So when COVID hit and all the races were shutting, you know, not able to, to run, um, I was like, I'm just going to keep running and I'm going to do it for enjoyment. And I'm going to do it because I want to be here and I want to enjoy these people and not because I need to lose weight because I've gained all this weight back. And um, that made running even easier and even more enjoyable to just do it with no specific goal in mind, just to run. You went from running um, to lose weight for the gastric bypass and then you picked up running again. But what what helped you kind of change um, your outlook on running from weight loss to enjoyment? So I think that with with some people and with me, weight is always going to be an issue. I am never going to be thin. I'm never going to look like what's considered the ideal woman. Um, and I had to learn to be able to appreciate myself. So, um, so I also have borderline personality disorder, um, which has a lot of crazy offshoots of things with it. Um, and one of the things is uh, body body dysmorphia, which most most people think of that in other ways, but I actually, um, when I look in the mirror, I see myself as smaller than when I see a picture. So that's kind of hard for me. And um, that's one thing like that posting on Instagram a lot, every, (laughs) pretty much every run now has gotten me to see who I really am, what I really look like. And um, also gotten me to appreciate who I am and what I look like, because this is what I look like, but this is what I can do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a tough spot because of course there are days when I'm like, I wish that I could be smaller. I wish that I could feel more comfortable. I wish that my belly didn't jiggle so much. Like well, I saw the finishing video, um, or the, the video that friends took when I finished the marathon and it's like, man, like I wish that I didn't look so discombobulated <laughs> coming in. Of course I had a big blister on the bottom of my foot to be fair. Yeah. But I saw the video and I was just like, oh, I always feel like a penguin wobbly. (laughs) But it's life. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it kind of goes back to this thing. One thing I always say is you put on sneakers and you go out for a run, you're a runner. Doesn't matter your pace, doesn't matter what you're wearing, what you look like, you're a runner. And then there's this other idea that you you ran a marathon. <laughs> you ran 26.2 miles as much as, you know, my husband has run a marathon or anybody else has run a marathon. Um, so we have this concept of what a, run, what a runner looks like. And it's just so wrong. It's so wrong because it is such a space where everybody can belong. Yeah, but we need to tell the running stores that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of the hardest parts. And that's one of the biggest things that, that 
I wish I had a better voice for because I cannot walk into even our local running store who's incredibly supportive. Mm -hmm. I cannot walk into that store and buy clothes for myself because these, the companies don't make clothes for a runner my size. Wait, so you have a hard time finding like the moisture wicking stuff and. Yeah, I have to. So um, I actually have a pair of shorts I just got today. I Um, like those. That's a really nice color all of my shorts from a um, small business called Gypsy Runner. And luckily she makes like their, their spandex and she makes up to 2XL, which was, it fit me at 330 pounds. So I think, you know, and I have really wide hips. Um, that's the only thing that I wear <laughs> off my lower half because I can't buy Brooks shorts. I can't buy, you know, New Balance shorts or, or ASIC shorts. Or, and they don't make anything to fit my childbirthing hips. Um, I can order a sports bra. They don't usually have them in the store. And tops I have to go to Kohl's for. Sometimes, sometimes I can get lucky going to Target. But nothing, I can't buy anything at the local running store that I would like to be able to walk into the store try something on and walk out with it. I want, and I want to be able to wear the same things that I can see everybody else with. I don't want to have to wear, you know, other types of clothes, but I, I love my gypsy runners. I think they're amazing. Um, and I wouldn't go with anything else really. <laughs> well, that's point. awesome. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a fantastic opportunity to say, you know, you need to feel supported. You need to, everybody needs to feel like they belong. Cause I know throughout my life, there are people, there have been people who thought, um, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And people will, will just take a look at me and think, I, even to this day, um, I get thumbs up while I'm running all the time. The problem is, is while people want to be encouraging with that, it's very clear that the thumbs up is to me. <laughs> so uh, another instance is there was, when I was running through my neighborhood with um, a friend of mine who I inspired to run too. (laughs) Um, This guy literally was driving, stopped his car, got out and said, way to go, big mama. Come on people. Like it's great to be encouraging and supportive, but when you go overboard, that is, that, that's a little too much. That, that's what hurts. (laughs) Like be supportive, but you don't have to individually like I see a bigger person. So let me give them a big thumbs up because I'm so proud of them for running. Thank you for being proud of me, but you should be equally as proud of me for running as you are for anybody else. Yeah. I I wish people would um, understand that. And do you think that it, once again, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, it comes from this idea that people have of what health is and what health isn't. Yeah. I, I, wish that I had an answer for that. I mean, there are even runners that aren't healthy. You know, health is the overall, a lot of things. We, we we're all overcoming something. We're all, we're all working towards something. um, And you'd hope that everybody's just working toward bettering themselves in any way possible. Um, So support is good, but maybe not calling out everybody who looks different than what you think. It's those learned behaviors, those learned uh, uh, microaggressions that mm-hmm. we, we all have them and we all could do better. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, Columbus, I have never once felt not supported in the Columbus running community. Um, it's just that I would love for the stores to, I would love for the brands, let's, let's just put it bigger. I would love for the brands to make a 2X that's not actually an XL. Yeah. Um, you know, to, for the brands to recognize that there are runners and athletes of all sizes. And I think it's important that they hear that more and more and more and maybe start supporting the, you know, traditional clothing sizes within their, you know, the, what they make. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing too, it, we've heard it a lot where if you don't see yourself within a community, if you don't see something, someone who looks like you, it does not make you want to try that. <laughs> right? It doesn't make you feel like you belong. And so you may shy away from it. And it shouldn't take extra courage to go out for a run. Yeah. So and again, for me, luckily, MIT and coach Stephanie, who has been by my side for several years and, and run with me for so long. And she was at every water stop for me. Oh, wow. That's uh, awesome. On, on Sunday. Um, and at the finish, and she was texting me to ask where I was at, make sure I was good. But um, she luckily was there to say, okay, you need to go to Gypsy Runner and buy these shorts. You need to do that because you need to have something that is comfortable, that you are, that's going to absorb the sweat, that's going to fit and all of that. She's been incredible. And a big part of that is because she's been an MIT coach for a while and knows what to do and knows what it feels like to be a bigger runner and how to help support us. Yeah, I think, I think that community at MIT, again, from, from reading Nita's book and uh, from our conversation, it just, I think as a whole, the Columbus running community sounds amazing. They just announced that um, the Columbus Marathon is gonna happen this year too. Oh, so I wanted to do the Columbus Marathon, but uh, I had to get a reality check. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the cutoff time limit for the Columbus Marathon is six and a half hours. Okay. And I am not capable of maintaining that pace. So I will sign up for the half marathon in seven days when it opens up. Um, but it, it's one of my favorite, the, the Columbus Marathon, um, half marathon is one of my favorite races. And um, I love the course and then I love the expo and I just kind of love everything about it. It was my first half marathon and um, it's special to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there are tons of people there. And um, in 2019, they had extended the finish time by half hour. So they made it to seven hours and with MIT, um, you're there for people. You stay till the last person finishes. So we had a few people within our group that were, that wanted to do the marathon. And so they trained for the marathon and they didn't quite make it within the time limit, but there were still a bunch of us there to cheer them on. They had a fan base when they came in and they finished and they finished awesome. well, regardless of what happened, how they finished, they finished their, awesome. their mileage. Yeah. That's really, really awesome. So how did your marathon go? How, so like, I want to hear from start to finish. How, what was the morning like? Well, actually, no, let's go one day. What was Saturday night like for you? I took melatonin and went to bed. Okay, awesome. 
Well, so yeah. I, I have a typical um, meal that I like to eat the night before. My long runs are always Saturday. So I have a Friday night meal, chicken mm -hmm. tikka masala. Mm, <laughs> it's my rice, you. it's my chicken, and then it's got a little spice and it doesn't mess up my stomach. Okay. And it's perfect. It's a perfect meal for me for the night before a long run. So I had that for dinner Saturday night. I took melatonin and I went to bed because <laughs> okay. I wanted to make sure that I would wake up in time. Um, my start time was 7.02 and I had to be there at least 10 minutes before and you always want to make sure you find parking. Now this race was a very small race. It was only open to MIT participants and then maybe a couple other people kind of joined in after there was uh, some more openings. But initially it was supposed to be at one location on the north end of the city. The city asked them to not have it there. <laughs> so they had to change things up changed the name of the race um, and moved it down uh, farther south to, in the city and then had the base, same basic principle of 6.55 out and back times two for the marathon. Okay. So everything was good. They had it planned out. Uh, 702 goes, I start, I feel really good. One of my MIT friends, you know, in, in the one of the couple pace groups that are the slower pace groups, I'm running with her for the first five, but what ends up happening is there was an active crime scene um, right around mile five. Oh so my gosh. we didn't get to continue out. <laughs> um, there was a shooting at the park that went along the trail the night, early morning prior to the race. And so they cut the trail off and we couldn't continue our path. So in the face of adversity, we had to turn around early. <laughs> Wow. So then where did you make up the, the so, distance? So you know how I said it was going to be out and back times two? Yeah, yeah. I was out and back times three. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was cool, though. Like, we took some pictures with the police car. The, the police officer that was um, kind of manning that area would do thumbs up to people. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, it was like, well, that's kind of frustrating because this is like, it adds a lot. And yeah. for, you know, um, I know that, well, Nita specifically, but also one of your guests was talking about how they're okay with doing like a bunch of little circles. I, that is not my thing. <laughs> um, and like Nita Sweeney also, she could just do little laps all yeah. constantly. She does it all the time, but I'm like, I need to see something different. Uh, I want to see different things, but also the change. Cause I had, I initially had three set locations for where um, my kid's dad would be to have water and, and ice for me and stuff. And so when he was at, he, he was getting ready to be at the, the third location, but we couldn't get to it. So then he had to move and I told him to go to like the middle spot. Well, he didn't make it to that spot by the time I turned around and got back. And so <laughs> I get back to the beginning. I'm like, well, where are you? <laughs> He's like, I'm over here. I said, oh, no. Oh, I need my water. I'm so thirsty at this point. So I carry a, um, a Nathan um, uh, Vapor Car water vest so mm -hmm. that I, I drink a ton of water. So I have two liters on my back, 220 ounces on my front. And uh, I was practically out of water. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was hot and humid here in Ohio. Yeah, it was 90. I think it got up to 95 on Sunday here. 
So I don't think it got that hot. I okay. think it was just almost 90 here, but it, it was the humidity. I can deal with heat okay, but the humidity. And I, I'm one of those people that I sweat a lot and, and I'm a salty sweater too. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had uh, um, noon in all of my water to keep the electrolytes up. Um, but so I did my first out and back, looped back around, um, got water when I made it back to this kind of second spot, uh, changed out all my water, got it, went back. But at this point, my pace started dying off. Like I was hot. I was feeling like, I think I was just frustrated with the situation in itself, kind of um, <clears throat> overthinking things like I typically mm -hmm. do. <laughs> so it was still great. And, and um, the, the guy who was kind of like running things did a great job at keeping us all informed. And he was riding his bike to make sure that we were all okay, um, to keep us updated on what was going on, know where to turn around, know where we'd have to turn around the third time because the third out and back wasn't quite as far as oh. the other ones. It was almost as far, but not quite. Um, and then once I hit mile 18, I was just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, <laughs> I think I'm done. I think no I, I can't move anymore. I don't know. In my head, I was just like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I thought I could do this. I've only gone 20 miles. Um, just all those things. So I text my, my kid's dad and I was like, I don't think I can do this. All of a sudden he calls me, he's like, yeah, so um, a couple people just jumped the fence and they're running after you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's when two of my friends came up to get me to where I was. So just that, just saying that motivated me to keep going. At that point, I'm like, okay, people are coming to get me. So I'm not like solo on this, like in my head thing. And um, they came and got me. And we ran, you know, we just talked and ran back to the turnaround again. And um, three more people joined and we went back out for the last three mile, three, three out and back. So six, it was really like seven miles basically out and back. But my friends came and ran with me who weren't even, well, one had already run the half marathon and um, others had, you know, another one had already done her hour run that she was doing. Um, and then another one was, just there for me like to support me and that's what i and let me add for this particular race because they were such short out and backs mm -hmm. all of the runners were incredibly supportive the whole time yeah. so our crowd support was basically each other yeah which was really cool everybody was very supportive and encouraging and you could tell everybody was kind of like hot and ready to be done and like it was hard it was hard for everybody and not just me so that kind of helped too but my friends really helped get me out and get me back and they let me pace myself. So there were, there were a couple of times I'm an interval runner mm -hmm. um, and there were a couple of times where I'm like, I just need to walk through this interval. Um, but it was not nearly as much as I thought it was going to have to be. Um, and I, you know, I had to take my shoes off one time cause I got a little pebble in my shoe, which is what caused oh. the blister on the bottom of my foot um, and get my shoe back on. I had to stop a couple of times to stretch really quick. But I never sat down. I never lay down, even though, man, I really thought about it. <laughs> and uh, they they uh, helped me. And then I would say the last 5K in, I got the energy back to where it's like, okay, I know I can do this and I can get there. And I started running just a little bit faster um, <clears throat> and a little faster to get in. And so I was like 
cheering us all on when my watch would ding, you know, 25 miles, 26 oh miles. We got to 26.2 and we're still on the course. Like, yeah, it's a little bit long. <laughs> oh, man. Up, but that's because of the reroute. I mean, how yeah. it, you know, so it ended up 26.66. No um, way. For my watch off. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> I did the 26.2 plus a little bit more. <laughs> well, you know, anything more than a marathon is an ultra. I know. So are you technically <laughs> an ultra marathon? <laughs> I'm going to not count that last little bit. <laughs> we'll just call it the marathon because my real ultra is going to be in two weeks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so before we move on, so, so what, what was, before we talk about that ultra, which I think is amazing, um, what was the finish like? What did, what did you feel like when, when you got that medal and you got to the finish? Were you like, thank God, because I'm done? So I felt, um, I was so surprised when I, we were coming into the, to the finish line because there were people that actually stayed, people that I don't know that stayed. And there were friends of mine that volunteered for the race because you know, it's MIT and we're all friends and we all cheer each other on. And then I like to think that specifically for me too. But, <laughs> um, so there were friends there. My um, dad and stepmom came um, to, to support me at the end. And um, my sister, my um, sister-in-law brought my, my girls because she watched them overnight. And um, so my sister-in-law and niece and my girls were all there. And um, when I was coming in, they were like, everybody was ringing cowbells, honking horns, cheering, yelling, way to go. So it was really exciting. It felt, it felt to me like I just finished a much bigger race than I did. Um, you know, as far as people go, not expecting like pretty much nobody to be left there Yeah, because it was, a, you know, I'm, I already knew that I was going to be the very last finisher. Um, I know that my pace is not fast, but I don't care because I want to get it done. And I want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I already knew that it was probably going to be like pretty desolate by the time I got there. So it was a huge surprise to see all these people that stuck around. And um, the guy that ran the race already said, we will be here until you finish. It does not matter what the time is. So um I, I knew that I'd have an official finish if it ever gets published. I don't know. I don't really care. I got my watch. <laughs> yeah. And you did it. <laughs> and you got um, the medal. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, the fit, it was amazing. It felt amazing to be done. And it almost feels like it almost, it feels the same as a half marathon, the mileage it feels like. I don't remember like each mile piling on and feeling like, okay, we're at mile 18, we're at mile 19. It never felt like that. It just felt like I was just going and going and going until I couldn't go anymore. And then it was like, well, this is 18, but I just can't go anymore. But then I had the support back and I was able to go again. That's awesome. That is so, so awesome. And like, I really am living vicariously through you. I'm kind of like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. And then to get yourself ready for a 50k in yeah. two weeks yes so you did you yesterday was monday and you took a rest day and then today you're at two miles what are the next two weeks going to look for you and what 50k is this i i would love all the details 
So I don't know what the next two weeks looks like. <laughs> I'm gonna, I decided that whatever my friends are doing that are, again, MIT, it's like great, but they convince you to sign up for more and more and more and tell you you can do more and more and more. And they show you what you are capable of and yeah. they will force you to find out. So um, I ended up like, I ended up deciding, okay, I'm doing the marathon. I might as, I can do six more miles. And th this ultra marathon is a 24 hour ultra marathon. I was like, I'm going to have the whole 24 hours to do six more miles. I can do it. Like anyone can do that. Right. <laughs> so, um, I took the bait and I decided to do it and it's, um, it's a camping ultra marathon. So we'll camp out the Friday night. And then the race starts at 6 a.m. on Saturday, and we'll kind of camp out through, and then we got to be out of there by noon on Sunday. So the race ends at 6 a.m. on Sunday, and we got to be out of there by noon. And uh, I just heard it's an amazing party. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess whatever. I'll join with my friends. So I'm thinking that I'm just going to follow whatever training schedule my friends have for the next two weeks until, until it's, you know, race time. So, I mean, that sounds reasonable enough. You've got a whole 24 hours to just do six more miles than you did. And it seemed like you had a bit left in your tank after you, um, after you, like that last 5K, it sounds like you had more to give. Yeah, I think I could have. I mean, I did train. I, um, I like I said before, I'm very dedicated mm -hmm. and determined. So um, the training plan that we got for this marathon, which is a five day a week training plan, I followed every single run, except uh, at the end, I just, my body got so tired. So yeah. I did skip two runs and one mile on another run. <laughs> Wait, but you also biked a bit. I didn't, I biked a little bit. I didn't bike a lot, but, um, I also have been doing a lot more household chores. Mm -hmm. I mow my lawn, which is like a mile. <laughs> I, I have GPS day <laughs> and I always mow it the same way every time. Uh, but you know, I'll either bike or mow my lawn during lunch. Um, I didn't do a lot of biking just because I had so many miles for marathon training that it kept me out so late. And I still wanted to be able to balance family time. Um, because especially with five days a week, I get a lot of mom guilt, which I think, I don't know, I, I think a lot of parents get that, that guilty feeling like I'm taking time away from my family to be doing something that I need to do for me. Mm -hmm. And especially with me with being a slower runner and, you know, it took me just under eight hours to complete that marathon. That's a lot of time away from home. So it, for me to go out and I did a two mile run, um, you know, before we got on here, that's just over half hour for me. So I can't, I can't say, I can say I'm going out for a quick run, but that usually means like two miles or it's going to be a little longer than a quick run. <laughs> yeah. But so were, were your girls at the marathon? They were at the finish. I didn't want them to stand out there the whole time because I knew it was hot and boring and to watch me go back and forth a bunch of times. I can't imagine. Um, but they were there at the end and we went out to lunch um, afterwards. So they got to see me finish. My youngest <laughs> handed me a bundle, uh, like a bouquet of um, weed and flowers. <laughs> I love those. But I I... Took it and that's uh, on my Instagram post from the marathon. You'll see me holding this random bouquet of weeds. <laughs> it's because my daughter handed it to me as I was coming in the finish line. 
I had to. And then my, um, my niece and my sister-in-law held up the sign and you couldn't really read it very well, but it was um, because it was like brown paper that they had, but they basically created a finish line that said, go mommy, go. And so that's what I kind of ran through for my finish line. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. And those, those weed and flower bouquets, I put them in vases. <laughs> they are, they're the I best. I ended up tossing it on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to carry it. I didn't want to carry it to Fair lunch. <laughs> like a hachoo. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was. I changed my shoes. I had to put my UFOs on because I, I had to get the, my sock off from the blister. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I just gently set the bouquet down on the ground and switched out my shoes and I just didn't pick them back up. I happened to forget it there. <laughs> my, my baby didn't care. She was fine. <laughs> she probably didn't even remember. So that's such a, it really is an interesting thing, this thing that we do to ourselves as parents. And say parents, because Marco also, um, was doing it to himself for a little bit. And I was like, no, first of all, you need to run because when you don't, you kind of drive us crazy. So it's actually for all of us. It is. And, and I probably shouldn't call it mom guilt because the reality is it's not, I'm just a mom. So I use it. It's, yeah. It is definitely parent guilt or family guilt, like to take time away. Yeah. And, um, Marco, he trained for a 50K and, but me, especially because I am, um, I'm the one here for is all the time. I'm the one who takes her to therapies to this, then the other, because Marco works and I stay home. Um, for me, when I take that time out, I used to, and I've worked really hard at not and kind of reminding myself that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> But it's so normal, and I think that that's another thing that we all just need to stop. If if it's good for you, we are we are humans. We don't stop being human beings just because we had children. Um, we have to be who we are, and it's also a fantastic example to our kids that you can do anything. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I always talk about with is the reason we run, the reason I run is to show her that despite injury, despite non-athleticism, <laughs> despite all these limits I thought I had, I'm going to accomplish this goal because I can, because I'm not going to let myself or anything around me stop me from, from accomplishing this. So that's another thing. I'm just going to, um, tell everybody to move to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be runners, move to Columbus. Um, MIT is run through Fleet Feet Columbus, which has um, three, three stores. But then um, in, in all three of the stores now, um, they have, there's a Fit for Life, which is a separate business entity, but it's physical therapy. But um, the owner of Fit for Life um, works with Fleet Feet to, like, there are special, um, special deals kind of for MIT participants. Yeah. So um, Fit for Life has an Alter-G treadmill as well. And like, you know, I just did the marathon. Every um, finisher from the Choose Your Own Path Adventure Marathon, half marathon, had the ability to use the um, Normatech comp leg compression <laughs> uh, sleeve. So I did that yesterday <laughs> and got to enjoy that. Um, yeah, I was curious about that. What 
like what did it did you feel like it aided in recovery I don't know I so I'm like one of those people that's kind of I don't believe in a lot of things <laughs> um, but it did feel good like this yeah. squeeze I just call it a squeezy it's like a <laughs> pressure cuff up, all the way up all the way up your leg yeah. so um I mean it, it felt really good it was nice to have that like compression um inflation on on my legs my legs honestly though I think because of training mm -hmm. they, my legs were fine um I deal with a tight hip which is uh most likely see it I we get free um free injury screenings from fit for life as well <laughs> so I was able to talk to a physical therapist without having to deal with paying for anything and the, you know no therapy was done or recommended but you know, stretch suggestions of what I'm likely feeling. Um, so, you know, he just gave me a couple stretch ideas that to see if that helps, if that doesn't help, then I would have to actually go for a PT, but, um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that helps because I deal with tight hips. Yeah. Tight band. Yeah. Yeah. That can be, I've had, I've had all kinds of injuries. I don't know if like you've seen, but I've had like I really, really, this journey to 26.2 um, has been more like, like more windy than I was hoping. I've had ITB issues. I've had this weird hip pain that I think stems from scoliosis. So I'm seeing uh, a separate orthopedist who focuses on the back on June 11th. Um, now this, this shin thing and then this other, it just, I will get there though. <laughs> It's your own path. That's the biggest thing is because that's how I felt with dealing with tarsal tunnel. Cause I mean, I would be in tears. I literally at the end of an MIT run, um, it was a 12 miler and I was at my pain threshold so high that I got down to my hands and knees and started crawling up the hill to finish because I had to get back to my car. Like I said, I'm a run walker anyway. So um, what I've found works really well for me right now is a one minute run and a 45 second walk. And I just interval that. I wear a gym boss beeper. I just call it my beeper to beep at me when I need to change whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So, and you know, most of my uh, MIT friends do the same thing. They use their watch for interval, but I don't like to kill my battery because I take too long. <laughs> um, so I like the beeper. I can hear it. It's, it's great. So I had actually started because, um, because of COVID, I had, I had COVID back in uh, late February, early March, my lungs weren't recovering. And I knew I had this marathon um, in October, which is why it baffles me that I, I got this stress fracture. But I think this was coming from way before that. Um, I had gotten a couch to marathon plan, which I'd never heard of, like literally for people who've never run before, couch to marathon plan. And a lot of that was run, walk, and because I kept injuring myself, I was like, you know what, this is, this is how it's going to be. Run, walk, I think is the best way for me. And I was feeling great. And then suddenly I wasn't. So do you, I, um, do you bike at all? No, no. And actually I am um, because Marco suggested that I take out the bike and I am scared. <laughs> so I am glad that you said that because, um, I, had not ridden a bike since early teens, like I'm talking 13, maybe if that, um, 
because my weight crept up and I know that you're, you're not in that same space, but like, if it's been a really long time since you rode a boat, rode a bike, uh, it's a little bit scary to get back on a bike. Um, but, uh, John, my kid's dad was, um, I made him run for a while so that I had like a running partner too for, you know, sometimes and to keep him exercising and moving too. Um, but he really hated it. So he finally said, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, <clears throat> so I bought him a bike for Father's Day and for his birthday. And then I was like kind of jealous. Like, I wonder if I could do it. Like, I'm really scared, but I wonder if I can do it. So I... It, I live right next door to an elementary school and <laughs> I asked if he would hold the bike for me so that I could get on the bike because I, again, I'm terrified that my body weight is going to tip it over and that I, you know, I'm not going to be able to balance, but <clears throat> I got on the bike and neighbors walked by and drove by and I'm looking like someone who doesn't know how to ride a bike. Cause at that point I didn't. Um, and I'm yelling out like, I haven't ridden a bike in ages. I'm scared. So uh, my whole neighborhood kind of got in on the way to go. And then now I don't want to stop. I love riding my bike. And so that was uh, the very, well, I think that was around mid-July um, okay. of last year. Oh, so pretty recently. Time, yeah. So that was the first time I got on a bike since childhood. And I, I, it has done so much for me. It in improved my running ability. Yeah. It improved my fitness level. It improved my, the way that I think about myself because, Hey, I can ride a bike. <laughs> in fact, um, last week, this might seem kind of crazy, but last week I was so excited because instead of driving to buy something I bought off Facebook, I was able to ride my bike there. I'm like, I looked at the map. I was like, this is only three miles away. I can ride my bike. <laughs> Go awesome. get it. Even that's kind of a kind of a heavily traveled road. I still chose to do that because I feel comfortable enough now in my own skin to ride the bike and not worry about people honking and being upset about me being on the road. Um, and yeah, I have had people call me names um, because I have a wider frame on a bike. Are you kidding? Um, but it, it doesn't bother me anymore because I'm doing it for myself. I strongly recommend it. No, and you've definitely just motivated me to do that. But I actually was just thinking, why don't I just, you know, take it to, take it to a park if I'm so nervous about, because what I'm, I'm nervous about, like being wobbly, with yeah. running, you run on the opposite side of the street. So you see when cars are coming. With biking, right. you have to ride with traffic. And that makes me nervous. I'm nervous I won't be able to keep up. I'm nervous about all the things. Um, Anything that could possibly go wrong. And it, it, I think a lot of that comes from my PTSD with, with Izzy's diagnosis. I often feel like anything that can go wrong might. I don't think that it will. Like, I'm not like doom and gloom. But I'm like, you know what? Uh, better safe than sorry. And I think sometimes that's a bit much. I really still strongly encourage you to get on your bike, regardless of how fast you go on your bike. Like, just to do something and to keep your mind so that you're reminded of, I'm still doing something. I'm still showing Izzy what's important. And, and that if I can't do this because of this, you know, because of something, I still have the ability to do something else. 
that's keeping me moving, keeping my brain happy, keeping my heart happy. Um, I, uh, you're, you're a thousand percent right. And you're totally motivating me. I think the weather is going to be beautiful tomorrow to just take out the bike. Even if I'm just going, if, even if I, the, I, the idea just occurred to me, even if I'm too scared to like leave our street, if I'm just up and down, turning around on the cul-de-sac and up and down, um, and eventually I'll leave the street. Right. Oh, I did always have to go through the parking lot. I just did circles in the parking lot, just like I taught my daughter without her training wheels. Circles in the parking lot, it's safe. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so funny the things that we carry with us, the, these, um, these strange weights that we carry, and we don't realize sometimes, especially for me, I often don't realize them until I speak to people. And particularly, something I've really enjoyed about this podcast is hearing everyone's story. And I think I, I mentioned it to you uh, last week when we talked, it was this idea that like, you talk to so many people who are struggling with mental health or struggling with, with something in their lives and really overcoming it, that it feels like, it feels like you're actually okay not being okay all the time. Yeah. So I, I've really been enjoying these conversations. I love talking to you and getting to know you. And um, you better believe that we're going to talk in two weeks, <laughs> right? That's right. I must say that that was an awesome way to kick off season two of Running on Optimism. It's really great to see that a lot of live races are starting to happen. Um, I had a blast speaking with Jesse and just really getting back into these running conversations. I've missed this and I hope you have too. So if you liked what you hear, um, let me know, leave me a comment. Um, if there's something you want to hear or you want to chat with me, definitely let me know. Shoot me an email, send me a message on Instagram. Any way possible, I would love to talk and uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>